Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, the online cycling platform that makes training fun for the second rest day recap of this year's Tour de France, the race. Second week went pretty quickly from my perspective. We're going to recap all of the jersey standings as well as going through all the remaining stages, including a hardcore, well, not hardcore, an in-depth preview of tomorrow's stage, the Corona test news, and a look at the relative strength or weakness of Ineos Yumbo and UAE. But the Tour de France fam Avex Zwift kicks off this Sunday on the 24th of July, back-to-back with the men's race. And Zwift and ourselves are calling on all cycling fans to watch the fam Myself and Benji will be in Paris. I'm even going to the TT in Rocamadour, actually, because it's en route from Andorra. We'll be in Paris to bring you the coverage live with our podcast on location on the Champs-Élysées. So make sure you're tuning into the recaps from the 24th to the 31st of July. All of that week, it's a little bit longer than a week, to watch the fam for the rest of July. Because, yeah, the cycling just keeps going for the whole month, which is awesome. Thanks, as always, to Zwift for supporting the podcast. At the moment, GC, Jonas Vingegaard, 222 ahead of Pogaccia, 243 ahead of Thomas in third, Bardet in fourth on 301. Yates, Adam, not Simon, on Ineos, 406. Maybe they sub in Simon for the third week. I actually know... <laughs> Yeah, Simon Yates, third week, no good. Quintana in sixth, 415. Menkes, 424 and seventh, uh, same as Godou. And then a big gap of four and a half minutes to Pidcock in ninth. So uh, fifth, sixth, seventh are separated by 18 seconds. And uh, no, Sorry, fifth to eighth are separated by 18 seconds. And that big gap to Pidcock in ninth. Then another gap of a minute, 10 to Mass in tenth. Vlasov on 11th and 10.32. So the five of the top 10 is still on between like Mars, Vlasov, Lushenko, Pitcock and Menkes and, and Guru to be honest, because he, he's had some bad days. Um, but 2.22, Benji, given what we saw in the uh, Pyrenees last year, is a pretty handsome gap um, because Jonas and Pogaccio were pretty much inseparable for that third week. Yes, certainly. There was not much difference between them, but that doesn't make it that there can't be difference in this third way, because like you mentioned in the intro, we'll talk about the strengths of each team, and we must have had a bit of bad luck in week one with reducement of two riders in their team, but the same happened to Yumbo in week two. So we've got a, a clear balancing a bit, because I swear, before Kreisberg and Roglic were out, even though Roglic wasn't the big factor here, Kreisweg is, then I would have said, oh, Jumbo can easily control anything that happens. But with the reduction of Kreisweg from the team, with Benoit not sure whether he's okay after the crash he had on the Carcassonne stage, with Jonas having hit his shoulder, not sure what the consequences there are, but they don't look to be too majestic, which is probably a good thing for the lad. Like, it does reduce my 
trust a bit in Yumbo's control of this third week, and that might spice some things up and will make for a better third week for the uh, entertainment value, I'd say. Kreisvark's a huge loss, but I would say you need more teammates when you want to attack than if you want to defend. So if you want to make the race extremely hard, like in Eos on Ventoux, or have Kreuzweig pace on Galibier to keep the pace up on the Grenoble stage. You need more teammates to defend. I mean, like the thing is, Benji, like how are Mike and McNulty and Soler going to drop Jonas or put him under pressure? Like if this was Pog against Thomas, then Mike is a real threat because Mike can fully redline Thomas and on a steep climb like Altacam. I don't think he can do the same to Jonas. In fact, he set up Jonas on Grenoble. That doesn't mean the loss of Kreisvik isn't huge. That's mainly because Sepkus is inconsistent. And, for example, on the Grenoble stage, he wasn't that great. And then the next day, he was unbelievably good on Alpe And last year, I remember something similar. Vontu stage, he wasn't there came good on stage 15 in Andorra, and then he was really good uh, for Jonas against Carapaz on maybe Arden. But does that perhaps create a strategy towards isolating Jonas instead of trying to hurt Jonas with the riders that UAE has? For example, they've got limited riders. My aim, if I was anyone regarding management of that team, I'd look into, okay, how how can we best separate the domestiques of Fingergaard from Fingergaard itself so that Pogacar can do a 1v1 versus Fingergaard, but not necessarily make it as hard as Granol, for example, where it really hurt Pogacar instead. And I'd argue that Micah can redline a Sepkas or something because we've seen it on the Granol stage where the harder the stage initially is, it feels like the worse because it's on the final climb. Does that also make sense? And think? on Kranerth, McNulty and Micah dropped Kreuzweik and Koos on the yeah. really steep stuff too, like the short, punchy efforts. Koos more of a diesel, uh, even though he's like really skinny. He's not actually a short, sharp guy. So, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. But Pogacar needs to take two twenty-two, or he okay. Well, the, the, it all depends on the TT. And so let's let's start from the end. Uh, to steal Dan Bigham's book's title. <laughs> the TT is 40 and a half kilometers. I did some napkin math. I think it's about 10 and a half meters of climbing per kilometer, about 430. And the Planche de Belfi TT, this is not. That had 960 or so meters of climbing, 2.5 times the amount of climbing per kilometer compared to this. So... Uh, And it was shorter, like 36Ks. So this is a significantly easier time trial from a climbing perspective. That's important because Roglic lost 66% of his time to Pogacar in 33% of the TT, I think it's a TT time. Yes, but I do want to add to that that I think it's perhaps less about the actual physical parkour in that sense but more about the mental consequences of that parkour. For example, if you've got a, a flat run-in of 66% of the parkour is flat, then you've got Planche de Belfia for the latter part, then 
if you actually get in trouble on Planche Valfier, you're going to lose loads of time on that uphill battle to the line because that's the last part of the time trial. That's the worst part to be in. And in this Rocamadour time trial, you notice that the last part is punchy but has the sense, so allows for some recovery as well there, while, while Planche Valfier didn't have that. So I think for the mental strength of a rider that is suffering in the latter part of this time trial, it might not be as... It might not be as easy to completely choke this time trial. That makes sense? Yeah, it's it's not. It's it, the, Even if Jonas has a terrible day, he won't be losing two minutes like Roglic, uh, famous last words. Because <laughs> if you look at, say, but what's their expected expected performance? And you look at stage five last year, which is actually very similar, that TT to this year's TT. I believe it was cool conditions uh, and drizzly. Pogaccio won that TT. I think it had about 11.5 metres of climbing per kilometre, uh, which is very similar amount to this TT. He won it, and he put 27 seconds or so around that into, into Jonas, but it was a shorter time trial. So if you extrapolate that time loss to the actual kilometres we have here, it'd be about a 40-second time loss. So I'm expecting Jonas, who's also, by the way, better than last year, like his whole power curve has shifted, so it's not the same rider. Like we saw that on Croix on stage 14. And let's just say the expected time loss is 30 to 50 seconds. I think one minute is pushing the bounds of what Pagacha can do. So I would say Benji Pagacha needs to take, in this, in these stages, he needs to take 90 seconds to have a, a fighting chance in that TT. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. 60 to 90 seconds is what... Um, 60 is not what I be, I, I, He's not I've taking got, 123 in the TT. 123. I've got, a theory. I've got a theory. Last year in the Vuelta, we had Haig against Yates for the podium spot, if I recall, or something related to a spot that they were fighting for. And Haig had a theory that if he went all out at the start and actually like made sure that he was visibly faster in the initial part, that it actually would hurt Yates phys- uh, mentally, right? Is that no, something that Pogacar could also went hard pull off here? Trying to freak out Haig. Oh, the other way around. Yes, you're right. That didn't work. <laughs> Um, maybe, but one one twenty three is yeah. No, I don't think possible. If Jonas just does a normal performance, I think he needs to take ninety. Um, because it's not as hard as Planche de Belfie. So, so that's where we are. He needs to take ninety. So we've sorry, I've started at the end, and then we have. I'll go through the profiles. Stage sixteen tomorrow, one hundred and seventy nine k's. I think is his best opportunity to take a good amount of time on not an uphill finish. It has two major climbs, the Port de l'Air and then the Murder which so the first one is eleven and a half K seven percent, pure drafting climb, about is that twenty minutes? No, a bit more. And then descent and then straight to so the back to back climbs, then straight into the into the Pagur climb, which is a fake news climb. It says nine and a half K seven point seven percent, but in fact it's like four kilometers uh, at five kilometers at four to five percent some at six, and then a ramp of 3.6 case, 11.5%. And then the last 1,400 meters is not so steep. Then there's a descent, which the first, well, let's say 60% of it is a little bit steeper, and then it levels off, but still falls flat downhill, sort of minus 2% into foie. 
uh, 27k descents. It is extremely similar to the stage nine of Tour de France 2020 to Lorraine, yeah. where Pagatra attacked on Col de Marie Blanc. The climbs are virtually identical, actually, and there's bonification at the top. Roglic nearly chopped Pagatra, and their group went away with Bernal Lander Roglic. Pagatra Roglic worked. Pagatra won the sprint, won the stage. They caught Hirschi, and they gapped Port and Co. I think, I think Pog. He has a big advantage here, Benji, because that descent is shallow and he is heavier. I don't think technically he's a better descender than Jonas, but if there's even a 6-7 seven, seven gap and he has a moto in front, he's going to be really hard for Jonas to bring back solo on that stage. I think so as well. Like If we would have seen a situation where where Pogacar wasn't yellow in this stage, I would have said breakaway stage and perhaps no action in GC, but with the situation being the other way around, I expect Pogacar to make moves on this one, to make a move on Mudebeguer, and Baudelaire itself is too early for that to happen, I think, although UAE might try and isolate Yumbo a tiny bit on that, I would dare to say, although... They don't have perhaps, that many teammates. Exactly. We kind of skipped that discussion, but let's... Yeah. They got Soler, McNulty, Micah as the actual people who can do something on any climb. Bjergen Hirschia before the climbs, controlling the break yeah. if Pogacar wants the bony. Can they... Like, do they make Soler and McNulty pace that first one full gas? And does that even hurt Sepp Kuss first climb of the day? Like, uh, they're in the wheels. I think it might even be better if they if they make sure that they put hard pressure on the second climb instead of already punching on the first climb. Because we saw in Quanov that that actually put Kreisweg and Kuss in trouble. Now, Kreisweg's not here, but McNulty pushing hard on that one climb put Kuss in trouble. So... If that's the case here, if McNulty can do that on, on this climb as well, then Kuz is kind of put outside of the potential help of Vingegaard. Do you expect Kuz to be better on this stage? Uh, no, it's kind of similar. Like you, I think they should do what you just said. Do the McNulty-Mica three-minute super hard lead out at the base of Pagur, and then Pagach has got to go early. He went early on Marie Blanc. He went early yep. to Mond. That's what he will do. Now, whether he does stop start or steady pacing, I'm not sure. I, I thought he would do that the other day, um, but that's what they have to do. And that means, Benji, they can't pace with McNulty on the first climb. That means they have to use Soler, unless yep. they use Bjerg. <laughs> so if they're using <laughs> Bjerg, then no offense to the man, but you know, Nathan and Laporte will be in the wheels, no problem. So if they use Soler there, Benji, that means there's no no one in the break for Pagacha either. And so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Ineos also helped Jonas on that descent if he did get dropped too. That's a good point because it's pretty clear that Thomas is also riding for his podium mainly to secure that. And if an opportunity arises above that, he'll try and take it. But for now, that opportunity has not arrived for Thomas. But if Pogacha is ahead, if he's in a group it. Jonas on that descent line and they're like Pogacar and then Vingegaard and Thomas, then Thomas is going to be riding for the Vingegaard, in my opinion, to try and close down Pogacar. And I I just expect that to happen. They've been playing defensively for their podium the entire way through. So that's how I see it. They have used opportunities to force other GC riders to close gaps for them where possible to play clever. For example, I think on one of the stages, um, Thomas used Roglic to close the gap instead of himself in one of the early stages where Roglic still mattered. So he does that, but it's still podium fight for him. So yeah, I agree. He will chase down Pogacar because Pogacar is his uh, competitor for the second spot in GC as well. So that's certainly something he'll be looking at. 
Sorry? And if Bardet and Gudu are dropped yeah. as well, I think Certainly. Thomas should keep the pace on to protect or, in case he has a bad day in the Pyrenees proper. Or if Bardet is ahead, but I, I fail to see how Bardet is going to drop Vingegaard, despite he's pretty good on steeper sections, but I swear on Quanerv, he was nah. a bit weaker than I And Marie Blanc, he got dropped and came back. He, he, they cannot respond to the initial hard acceleration. Yeah. He might come back. If I was Pogaccio, I might try a different strategy on Pogur and try and let them come back. Let Godou, Bardet, Thomas come back, Yates. If they attack, I don't know, maybe Jonas makes a mistake. Like, I would like just try and use the other guys as your teammates. I think if Pogaccio just does steady pace, keeps everyone else behind, Jonas in the wheel, it's going to be tough to do anything on this finish, particularly without someone up the road, which we've just done, tried to work through the stage. He doesn't yeah. have enough riders. Yeah, and we've noticed in the last, like, two weeks that he clearly has the better acceleration, although it seems to be getting weaker versus Vingegaard than initially, because I swear week one Pogacar had better acceleration than week two Pogacar based on the finishes that we saw. So I think the, the benefit that he can get is if he can get that initial separation. That's what I'm looking for when it comes to Pogacar. And I think he's more likely going to get that with a start-stop thing than a steady pace on a climb. Yeah, and also from behind Jonas. So let Bade Guru go. And maybe Jonas is like, oh, I'll follow them. Then you're in behind. Now you, you're creating a slightly more advantageous situation. But yeah, I still think it's going to be tough for him to stay away. Um, I think Yumbo. there will be a fight for the break. There's some rolling climbs at the start. It, a lot depends on Teish Benoit. If Teish yep. Benoit's in bad shape, it becomes a lot harder to, to send Wafanat in the breakaway or vice versa. Um, so it do really you, a lot hinges on him. Do you think it's okay to send riders in the breakaway when you're a leader in GC? Because we hear a lot that, oh, if you've got the yellow jersey, don't send riders in the breakaway, keep them all with the yellow jersey. But I'm mixed about that because I see value in some situations to actually have someone in the breakaway, even if you're in yellow, as long as you still have enough support in the peloton in case of a puncture and so forth. Well, yeah, like you've got in the first 80Ks before the uh, land climb, you've got like Van Hooydonk, Laporte, Coos, the note shouldn't be dropped and it's flat and what Jürgen here should be pacing maybe or you can have Van Hooydonk on the front pacing at zero watts per kilo if no one else wants to do it. So I don't really, it seems like there's plenty of riders to help before that that section and i even think if the notes in okay shape i don't really see how he drops on that first long climb either to be honest um he's been climbing fine yeah. Ineos though benji surely this is where he i would say this is where they should play thomas and yates but they first of all they get they got dropped on to men mon sorry and second of all they seem to be going for podium but the end of this climb is kind of shallow. Wouldn't this be the stage to get someone in the break and try and get some time back with Yates on the downhill? I don't know. A thing I was thinking about is in our earlier discussions of uh, should Yumbo put a rider in the breakaway or will UAE have a rider in the breakaway? In case of a situation where both of those teams have a rider in the breakaway and then he also puts Pitcock in there as well, that like Yumbo and in uh, UAE rider in the break will completely stop working, but they won't work with Pitcock. It does put them in a situation where they need to change something, eh? I know. Yeah, the problem is that flat, and the problem is also Castroviejo 
Van Baal and Ganner's shape is not top. Even Martinez, I don't think Martinez, like he was on the front at the end yesterday, he's looking a bit better. But Benji, I still don't think he's reducing a group like of GC guys. He got dropped hard on Crown Earth. Like, I don't really know how they can use Martinez like that either. So it's tough for them. It all depends on what Yates and Thomas actually want. All indications suggest podium for Thomas and Yates is just kind of surviving. And they'll probably be distanced at the base of uh, Pagur. But yeah, hopefully it's an interesting stage. I think it definitely is one to see, as Benji said, with Pikachu behind, he has to take all opportunities. The stage after is short. Uh, no, sorry, it's not. 100. Have I skipped stage 17 in my thing? Sorry, I went straight to Altacamp. I'll bring up stage 17, which is to Perry Good. 130.5 Ks. It is short, actually. But it has four climbs, all sandwiched together. Cold dust bar, 12K, 6.5%. And then the Orket, which is 8.6K, 5%. First 4K of that are 7%, I think. So there's a little descent in there. Descent, short valley. Then the Col de Valoran Azer, 8.5K, 7.7%. 20-minute climb. This is Pigatch territory. Descent, short valley. Uh, through Ludenville and then up to Perigude, which is 8.1K, 7.2%, but I think it's steeper than that. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a uh, like a really steep 400-meter finish, like super, super steep, where it, so the average is over 8%. And temperatures, by the way, for the this stage, tomorrow is supposed to be warm with maybe uh, thunderstorms. Ludenville, it looks like 21 degrees at the base, but sunny. So just... That's not cold. That's just, to me, that's just normal, mild conditions that has doesn't benefit Pogaccia, doesn't benefit Jonas. It's just normal racing weather, in my opinion. Yeah, certainly. And I remember this Pedagut finish from, was it 2017, where I think George Bennett had like a small gap on a group of favorites. And that last deep section obviously does fit Bennett quite a bit, but the tempo at which the others were coming, Froome was in yellow, Bardet and Aru were in that year where they were actually looking pretty damn good and then Bardet ended up winning that but the fight on that last 400 meter steep section it's worth watching I tell you and it's really nice to see on screen they can really visualize it well so I'm looking forward to that final stretch but if it comes down to that final stretch then Pogacar is not gaining enough time on this even though I do think that I don't know no no even if Jonas steep, eh? quote unquote cracks so yeah. Froome cracked right he was like walking up the climb yeah. lost the yellow jersey to Aru he lost, I think, 22 seconds to Bardet and yep. less to Aru. 22 seconds on each of Altacamon is not enough. I just did the maths. I said he needs at least 75 seconds, at least 75, yep. and I think 90 to even have a chance in the TT, and 22 is not enough. So he has to go earlier, Benji. I think he yep. has to go on um, the Laurent climb before. Oh, that's there's a steep section at the end of Laurent Azay as well, but it's gonna be difficult, eh? Like he's attacking a Yumbo train that on paper should still have Kuz at that point. Von Art should probably still be there at that point in the race. So I don't know. I think it's gonna be really hard to attack on the second last climb for Pogachar. But he achieved it last year, but that's a very different situation, eh? Like this is incomparable compared to Rome Colombia, in my opinion. Well, he was better than Carapaz. So, yep. at, like, and they had no domestiques left. So, and then the group behind stopped chasing. He's not, from what we've seen, he's not, even if he's, remember, these climbs, 
Laurent Azay, 8.5K, 7.7%. The draft is important. So even if he's 1% better than than Vingegaard on that day, the draft matters more than 1%. Now, maybe he gets a gap, but then he's got to do whole descent, valley. I don't know. I don't know. If he gets a gap, that sort of advantage him if Jonas is isolated. Maybe he can take time on the descent in the valley where he's a bit heavier. Uh, but yeah, that's, again, he's got to go early. I actually... And his team, he doesn't have the team, Benji, as we've said now, to do an Ineos train to make this stage brutal. Now, I think McNulty, Micra, and Soler are doing really well, but I still don't think they can, like, cold ass bad, just start revving it at the start. They'll run out of guys. Yep, I think so as well. So I would once again go to the similar thing where they need to try and make sure they've got one big hit in instead of three times trying to make it an attrition stage. Because I also think it, is better for Pogacar as a rider that it's that one big hit instead of those regular climb pacing until the group is 20 and then try and have an attack with Pogacar, that kind of stuff. Eh? And that brings us to stage 18, the last climbing stage where there's a chance to take time, which is 144Ks from Lourdes to Altacam. It has the Col d'Orbisque, which is the longest climb left in the race, 17.2Ks uh, at 7%. Step descent, then the Col de Spandel, 30-minute climb, 10.4Ks, 8.1%. That's very hard. Descent, no valley of note, really, maybe two kilometers before straight into the Altacam, 13.6Ks at 7.8%. Nothing to altitude. Uh, again, I think the weather's just normal. 144K stage, so it's not a 200K marathon. Again, I think Pogaccio Benji has to go on Spandels. Because, like, if you look at Altacam, like, the level's so close these days. Like, even Pratititivo, when Pogaccio had, like, one of his best days ever, like, the gaps are small. Like, he beat Simon Yates by nine seconds. And Altacam is, like, a 40-minute climb where I don't even... I don't know. I think he just has to go on Spandel, has to go on the early climbs, hope there's chaos, hope Ineos help out. Because if they just like try and go at 5Ks to go on these climbs, it won't be enough. I think so as well. And I'll be honest, if we're in a situation where it's still 2 minutes 22 on Otakiam, on that stage at least, then he has to go on Spandell because otherwise he's got a very limited amount of chance of remotely winning this unless Vingo has a puncture or crashes in the time trial and so forth. So if it's actually a situation of 222, this is where he needs to do that all-out attack to try and win the Tour de France. And... If I'm Pogacar, I've won two Tour de France's, then I'm willing to give up a potential second spot towards a third spot or something just in case to win this. Uh, he'll try on Tour stage 19. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he, he'll he try. If, well, is there much opportunity? Doesn't he'll try and get in the reload break. Yeah. I guarantee it. I agree. I agree. Depends on whether he still needs it. We will see after stage 18 and so forth. True. But. When I look at the profiles of 17 and 18, Peragut and Otakam, I do feel like Otakam is the kind of stage where it feels better to go early than on 17, for example. But we've mentioned before that 17 is feels better for Pogacar than 18 when it comes to the length of climbs and so forth. But on the other hand, Otakam's only 35, 40 minutes and not 40 minute plus. So I also don't see Pogacar getting in trouble because the climb is too long on this one. Yeah, and it's... It's not to altitude. It's not going to be scorching hot conditions. And Yumbo Visma don't have the team, at least I don't think anymore, to make the race brutally hard, nor should they. I think, to be honest, 
uh, that will give our predictions. So tomorrow, by the way, for Foire, I should say, uh, I think the break will win. And I think we haven't really mentioned green's done. Wow. It's winning green. If he doesn't crash, Pagash is winning yellow. Oh, uh, not yellow. Uh, white jersey. There's <laughs> only six minutes there to Pidcock. Uh, and he also like we have teams locked up and KOM is very tight and that should affect the breakaways a lot. Geshk is on 46 points. And there's, as I said on the first one, there's 20 points separating 10th and 1st. Pino hasn't even really started going for this. Pino has to if he has the legs. Like, it's on the plate. I know he probably wants a stage, but, like, Geshk is not the best climber in the world compared to those guys, like Pino level. Although Pino's been a bit under. Yeah, I just think the breakaway tomorrow should be a lot of guys trying to get in it, like Paulus, Ciccone, Latour, Perez... Jungles, uh, who else has gone for it? Mankins. Turns, ah, no, no, he won't be allowed in his four minutes. He won't be allowed in the break. Oh, you're right, you're right, true. He's too close now. Is that a danger for his battle for KOM where he's second? He's not going for KOM, he's going to try hold on top 10 GC. That's true, um, but I would have uh liked to see both <laughs> for maybe. my <laughs> Uh, so tomorrow, I think, um, damn, can Michael Matthews win it again? I'm trying to think. Bertiol should really go for it. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm going for Bertiol taking the win from the break um, or Luis Leon Sanchez, but I like Bertiol a bit more. So I'll go with Bertiol and I think there'll be a little bit of GC action, but ultimately no gaps uh, behind. Okay, I'll go for the, the same guy that won the similar parkour in last year's Tour de France, I think, Patrick Conrad. Uh, yes. Was it similar? Similar, like not a steep, but similar. He yeah. went early. Steeper probably fits him better, Conrad, because he's actually decent on steep sections for uh, the uh, Ardennes we've had in the past. Don't me. Not today. (laughs) I don't accept it. (laughs) Kamner. I forgot Kamner. He's, oh, yeah. Martinez in the break versus Kamner. They'll mark each other out. Kamner's marked. Yeah. Okay, you're going with Conrad, and I've already forgotten who I said. Betiol. I'll go with Betiol for tomorrow's stage. In terms of GC, I think Jonas holds on. I think Wout wins the final TT. I think Pogacar takes a decent bit of time in the TT, but he won't have taken enough beforehand. I think uh, Jonas holds on and wins yellow. Um, I mean, he is the bookie's favorite now, so that's not – he has a 220 gap, so it's not a hot take anymore. Um, what do you think will happen? Well, the, the easy thing to say is, oh, Jonas is going to hold on on these mountain stages and so forth, and eventually will win this Tour de France. But – I picked Pogacar on stage one in the preview. I need to keep my uh, my soul where it belongs in the uh, Pogacar camp for now. Um, where he's going to do the damage? I don't know. I I fear the only way that Jonas really loses time in these climbing stages is if that shoulder hit on the floor actually has a consequence or actually has some kind of consequence, which I don't wish to him, you know? So... I think Vingegaard will hold on, but I hope for the race that Pogacar gains time before the time trial to make it around one minute 10 or one minute towards the time trial so that it's a a really close fight in the time trial because that would be godlike. I'm telling you, 110 won't be enough. You won't eat in 40 seconds. It's enough 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 to be close for sure. Yeah, yeah. Everyone will be watching that. Even if it's two minutes, everyone's going to be watching it. Let's be real. Like, come on. Uh, final TT, you never know what could happen. But yeah, I think Jonas holds on. 
Uh, I'm sure there will be a few wobbles. There'll be a few nervous moments in this week. That's what Pogaccia is going to do. I do think Pogaccia has spent more. I know that Jonas crashed and you never want to touch the ground because you don't know how your body will react to it. Hopefully he's fine. But I do think Pogaccia spent a lot. Now his powers of recovery are incredible. But yeah, just like I think Jonas has figured out the Pogaccia moves. When Pogaccia jumps to Wout, Jonas can just sit on his guys and Pogaccia just burns a little quarter of a match and he's like okay good good job i think they've kind of figured that out the sprints and stuff so yeah we'll see if that has a cost we'll see what happens tomorrow pigach will come out swinging ineos are the real i think dark horse in how they plan on playing this week if they really come out for the win that can that makes Jonas and yumbo business life significantly more difficult so he's hoping they do to increase the interest in the race and thomas wins but that's all from us hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you with a recap of the stage to foie tomorrow ciao mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 